Hey, good afternoon. Welcome back to Cresta in the Afternoon. Today, the feast day of St. Albert the Great, Albertus Magnus. We'll be talking about his contribution to the faith and this great synthesis of faith and reason during medieval scholastic theology in the next segment and later on in the program. For today, we're going to be talking about what the United, or at least right now, we're going to be talking about what the USCCB is doing, what they're talking about, because the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops met today for their fall, their annual fall plenary assembly in Baltimore. And they gathered for a morning of prayer, reflection, confession, and they talked about some very key issues, one of which you just heard about in the news. Matthew Bunsen joined us from Baltimore. He is there right now. He is the vice president and editorial director of EWTN News and a senior fellow at the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. He's no stranger to this program. He frequently guest hosts for Al and is the author or co-author of more than 50 books, you can follow him on Twitter at, at Matt Bunsen, and he also hosts Register Radio, which airs Saturdays at 4 p.m. and Sundays at 11 a.m. on Ave Maria Radio. Matthew, how are you doing? I'm well. How are you? Greetings uh, from Baltimore. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, it, it, So, eyes and ears on the ground, uh, what are things like? I, I took a look at the homily that was delivered by, uh, gosh, Archbishop uh, Boglio, was it? And yeah, uh, it, it, Berlio, yeah, the president of the conference. Exactly, and and it was it was rousing. It was it was, it it, it was really heartfelt. So uh, eyes and ears on the ground. What's what's the feel like during this uh, this fall annual plenary assembly? Yeah, well, today is the second of the two days that the, they have open sessions. Uh, on Monday, they kicked off with the closed door sessions, and then tomorrow they're back in closed door sessions uh, to continue their discussions. Clearly, uh, if the goal was to use these closed-door sessions to solve and, and decide things before they had uh, the potentially rancorous conversations in public, it worked, because I think tranquil uh, would be one way of putting it. Uh, there's a lot of agreement, uh, but they actually accomplished quite a bit over the last uh, two days of the public sessions, uh, contrary to some of the things that we've been hearing in the press. Uh, the big ticket item, as uh, was noted uh, right at the top of this hour, was uh, the approval that they gave to a modified uh, version of forming consciences for faithful citizenship, which mm-hmm. is their key document for uh, elections and, and helping Catholics to form their consciences before they vote. So we we understand that an introductory note was approved, and a lot That's of it right. had hinged upon particular language that it's it's no... We're not strangers to the debate on that particular sentence. So, you know, (laughs) shed some light on it, because this has been an ongoing saga. And yet I'm really glad to hear that our our fathers in the faith are so steadfast in this fight for the lives of the unborn. Well, you're you're absolutely correct that uh, in previous years, I think especially in 2019 and the run up to the 2020 election, there was a, a lot of contentious discussion on the floor of the bishops meeting on this document, in particular, the use of the that term uh, that abortion remains a preeminent priority or issue for our times. Uh, there were several bishops and there still are several bishops who feel that that should be deprioritized. Uh, that there should be other issues, uh, in their view, uh, that should uh, take precedence. Uh, The bishops here, uh, I think, partly for two reasons. I think, first, it's a little late in the day to be redrafting everything Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of a document like this. Uh, The other is that I think looking a year and a half now post-Dobbs, post-Roe, they recognize, as we are seeing state by state, that abortion remains such a preeminent priority. 
Now, it doesn't mean that uh, they did not touch on other key issues. Mm -hmm. uh, For example, um, issues of euthanasia. Uh, They mentioned gun violence, terrorism, the death penalty, human trafficking, and uh, the crisis of families around the world, racism, migration, and uh, the care for a common home. Mm-hmm. But there was an obvious desire uh, to have this document out there. Uh, and the vast majority of bishops, by a vote of 225 to only 11, uh, voted to push ahead with this new introduction uh, and then some support materials to go along with it, but leaving the, the rest of the document completely intact. Matthew, you want to sidestep the document proper and to talk about the church's official teachings on the moral theology of this. It's often neglected, whether from the pulpit or in basic Catholic parlance, but the fact of the matter is there is a proportionate hierarchy of moral goods. This is a key part of the entire Catholic moral and social doctrine. And uh, dignity of life issues, which means the right to life, always trumps quality of life issues. And if we don't adhere to honoring the dignity of life from uh, conception to natural death, then quality of life really won't ensue. We've seen this in civilizations that have risen and and fallen throughout human history. So why is this still a debate? Well, it's a debate in part because uh, there are those who aren't, they would argue that they're not trying to de-emphasize the importance of abortion, but they see this within a a longer list. In some ways, we can see this, the return of uh, the seamless garment argument. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And we we saw that back in the 1970s and 80s, in which abortion is one of a series of issues that needs to be dealt with. They they cloak this under uh, what some claim, at least, is Pope Francis's greater emphasis on certain issues. Anyone who knows Pope Francis knows that he has given some of the most stark and vivid uh, condemnations of abortion uh, in modern years, uh, referring to abortion as hiring a hitman, uh, that sort of thing, right. uh, and really placing abortion within his, his concern for a throwaway culture. But you're also right that this document uh, goes back to those priorities of the the threats to the dignity of the human person. Abortion, of course, is an intrinsic evil, uh, that uh, there can be no negotiation on this. Right. Uh, And therefore, because it is a direct threat to the most vulnerable and voiceless, uh, and that in a country in which we have had still a million lives lost from abortion, obviously this is a grave threat to the life and dignity of the human person, in exactly the same way that, that euthanasia is considered. Other areas where we have what are called prudential judgments, which include things like the death penalty, uh, human trafficking, uh, and how we deal with matters of economics, mm-hmm. fall under a, a different approach. And yep. there are different approaches we can take to that. But abortion in particular uh, is one that is an intrinsic evil and therefore has a higher priority. And therein lies the problem. It's all too common to hear Catholics say, I've come to realize that abortion is just one issue amongst many when when it comes to making my voting decision. And in a very low sense, sure, one can make that argument. But the fact of the matter is, as, as I mentioned earlier in the proportion of hierarchy of moral goods, this is a direct threat to the life of the most innocent, and we have an obligation to fight for the eradication of this evil. So That's right. So I want to uh, ask you then, uh, Bishop Robert McElroy, he, he, he brought up the contention that 
calling abortion a preeminent issue is at least discordant with the Pope's teachings. Nowhere in the Holy Father's words or in his writings does it ever demonstrate that he thinks abortion is less of an issue compared to anything else. So uh, just help shed some light on, on where Bishop McElroy is coming from with this. Well, this is uh, the comments you're mentioning, uh, and, and he's now, uh, notably since he made those comments, has become a cardinal uh, under Pope Francis. Uh, so that brings its own uh, additional scrutiny uh, for his comments. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was uh, having a back and forth back in 2019, I think it was, uh, with uh, Cardinal Daniel Donardo, who at the time was vice president, and really overseeing much of the drafting of this. And they had this back and forth over it. It really comes down to an interpretation of Pope Francis mm-hmm. and what Pope Francis said about abortion relative to other topics. And this is an argument that's not going to go away. I think one of the, the lessons coming out of the discussion today is that, uh, let's just say that I think there is a, a group of bishops here uh, who have chosen to keep their powder dry, so to speak. They know that the major changes to this document aren't going to be possible in the time frame we have. Mm-hmm. So they are looking at a, a push for a pretty significant redraft, which the bishops as a body may decide to do down the road. And I think that's where they're going to try to stake out ground okay. uh, in the coming years. So this is a fight that's not really going away anytime soon. Right. So this, not only is this a fight that's not going away anytime soon, as the faithful, we ought to pray and, and well, stand steadfast to everything that our, first of all, the deposit of faith, but also what our Holy Fathers want to hand down in accordance with the deposit of faith. So from there, I mean, it seems like Chapu, amongst others, they stood up, they made statements like, well, I, I don't think that's true. It's uh, To say that right. this is discordant with the Holy Father's teachings is flat, flatly untrue. It isn't true. And apparently the vast majority of bishops applauded that. So it would seem that there is some kind of a consensus here, that they see the gravitas of the situation, that this is one of the, at least, if not the, preeminent life evil of our time. Well, certainly this year, uh, a vast, vast majority, only 11 votes against uh, this new introduction to this document, against 225 to 11, tells you something, that there was a coalescing of desire. This is the document. Let's not uh, tinker with it. Let's not make major changes. Let's go with this new introduction, which I think uh, is very eloquently written. Uh, The bishops go to some pains to stress that they're not telling who to vote for or who Mm -hmm. to vote against. These are tools, and I think looking at the landscape politically that we have right now, they see this as an important moment. Just to reiterate this, what they're going to do down the road, uh, I think they will leave for another day, but for now this is the document. In a similar way, we saw presentations on implementation of an important document that didn't get a lot of play, and that is on Asian Pacific Island Catholics, mm. the fastest growing minority group in the country. And their pastoral care is, is a source of grave concern to a lot of bishops who see this uh, as because this is so growing, because of their, their growing importance uh, to the Church in the United States, uh, that we need to have this pastoral care. And I also want to note that today is a feast day of St. Albert the Great, Mm -hmm. a brilliant doctor of the Church. The the bishops, uh, by I think with only two votes against, can't imagine why they were voting against it, uh, actually supported the request of the Bishops' Conference of England and Wales, asking Pope Francis to name St. John Henry Newman the yep. doctor of the Church. Exactly. And he is hailed on the floor, uh, in particular by Bishop Robert Barron, 
uh, as somebody who could bring together both wings, so to speak, of the church in the United States, because there is something in Newman for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think Newman, as a convert, as somebody who was so articulate in understanding the importance of the Catholic faith, the beauty of the Catholic faith in modern culture, has a lot to offer us today, and there's the eminence of his teaching. So there's uh, this should be interesting to see if Pope Francis uh, takes these recommendations, as he has in the past uh, for two other doctors of the Church, John of Avila and Irenaeus of Lyon. Right. So we'll have, that's something we're going to be able to track over the next years. Well, that's fantastic, Matthew. And all of this gives us a lot of hope. Let's continue to pray for our holy uh, our fathers, our fathers in the faith, as they continue in their Fall Assembly. We've been talking to Dr. Matthew Bunsen, Vice President and Editorial Director of EWTN News. I'm Marcus Peter filling in for Al Cresta on Cresta in the afternoon. <laughs>